The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Uh, this morning, I just want to share a few thoughts with you. When I came here, uh, first Sunday that I preached here uh, in January of 2017, uh, I had preached a message called Generation to Generation. And I did that intentionally because this is something that is real passionate in my heart. I believe without any question that there is a biblical precedence and a mandate that we prepare the next generation to take our place. Amen? But there's something that I've thought about as I have really meditated and prayed through this, and that is I I had Becky change the graphic uh, for this morning, and I put instead of generation to generation, I put an arrow that connects both ways. And the reason I did that was very intentional is because I have come to understand and realize that there is great value and there is great need for me and others in a previous generation to invest in the lives of those of younger generation uh, as a believer to help them grow and walk in the Lord, but just in life situation to share with them my experiences in life. But I've come to understand, and really it's been as a result of being here at First Conyers and connecting with the students in the way that I've been able to connect and with young adults here, is that I have come to understand and realize that y'all have great value investing in my life as well. You may say amen to that. And so I recognize that biblically in the body of Christ, I hate it sometimes that we segregate age groups. I realize that there are life stations that we're in, and sometimes we have more association with people in our life station. But I believe as I look at Scripture that God intends the body of Christ to live generationally together and not segregated because there is value in family, right? And so this morning, I want to share just a few brief thoughts with you and begin by sharing with you one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 78, as Asaph is writing this psalm. And he says this to the nation of Israel, in particular Judah. He writes that God has established a testimony in Jacob. Now, testimony is more than just a verbal testimony, but God has established a witness is what he's saying. And what he's going to talk about in this psalm is from one generation to the next, that God has established a witness, a testimony from one generation to the next. And he has appointed a law in Israel. In other words, his law, what God says, his word, who he is, as he reveals his character, not only his commandments, but his character, his nature, and the very essence of who God is. God's established that to be communicated, which he commanded our fathers to teach our children. Now, notice there's a specific word in there. He doesn't give us the option. But he has said that he has commanded our fathers, to teach the next generation. When you hear of the word command, that tells us that there is not an option, right? It's a command. And so it's not an option. It's not something I can choose to do or decide whether or not I want to do it. If my desire in my heart, like yours is, is to be obedient to God, then I'm going to follow His command to invest in that next generation so that they might know. 
He says in verse 6, that they might know those commands, the children even yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So it's a daily kind of thing. It's a continual life on life, if you will, demonstration to that next generation, the things of God and who He is and what He's doing in our lives. Verse 7, he says, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Set their hope in God. If we're ever living in a generation where there seems to be a lack of hope, I have never seen it any more than in this generation today. That there's a lack of hope, and hope meaning what is the future? And listen, the Bible clearly tells us, as Nathan, I think you testified, that you learned that your hope, the hope in this life, is in God and in God alone. And one of the things that I've learned about the younger generation that's very different in in our times is that many times in their life, through their life experience, some of that Nathan shared, that hope in everything else has been dashed away. That it's very difficult for them to trust in that sense because they've been let down so many times in their life. Guys, am I right in that? You see, but there is a hope in God. And, and, and Asa says, listen, we want them to know that there's a hope in God. And then he says in verse 8, he says, And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. In other words, God says there's hope for something better than what they had seen in the previous generation. And so it's our responsibility, it's our job, it's our duty, if you will, that we invest in their lives so that they might do it. Now, one of the things that I see that is a biblical precedence all throughout Scripture, the more that I study and read Scripture, is that this hope that's transferred, this pouring into lives of the next generation and the pouring in of your lives to my generation is that there is no other way. The biblical model, the biblical precedence is that it is done in a life-on-life situation. We all love social media, right? And I find it interesting that everything that I read today regarding social media and the generation that's so connected in social media, it is the most connected generation that we have ever seen, yet they are the least connected that we've ever known. That's amazing, isn't it? And what that tells me is that the reason that we feel least connected is because God never intended us to be connected in relationship electronically. It's good. It's good to follow Instagram, and it's great to look to see how many people liked. I posted yesterday, self-admission. I watched a Hallmark movie last night, yesterday with my wife, and I liked it. So I got one woo there. Some of the other husbands are going, why did you tell them that? God has created us in His image. He has created us so that we might have relationships. When you look at God Himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, us being created in His image, a part of that is there is absolute relation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And so God's made us to be that way in the biblical model, and we should take this to heart in the church, in the body of Christ, is that God desires for us to connect generationally in a life-on-life experience. The first model that we come to that we see of this in Scripture is that life between Moses and Joshua. And you're all familiar with the story. Moses had led the children of Israel out of captivity through the wilderness. But no, Moses was not going to be able to go into the promised land. And through those years in Moses' life, there was a young man named Joshua that we see that Moses poured his life into Joshua, not only because God had raised Joshua up, but Moses recognized and realized that he's not going to go into the promised land and somebody has to be prepared to take over. And let me tell you, in the words of Tim Kimmel a few months ago, guys, y'all of us of the older generation... We've had our day. It's time for us to prepare the next generation and give them opportunity to lead in the body of Christ. Amen? And so one of the things that I find remarkable that's written in Exodus chapter 17, that after the children of Israel had gone to battle against one of the ites, Moses wanted to make sure that Joshua had a record of this, and so he gave instruction to one of the scribes. He said, write all of these things as a memorial and recite it in the ears of Joshua. In other words, have it written down so that when I'm gone, Joshua has something to follow, and he sees the hand of God. He sees the works of God. He sees the faithfulness of God, and he has it repeated over and over and over and over in his ear. This last week, I posted on Facebook a question, just trying to solicit some answers in preparation for this message, and I sent out several texts, and I asked this question. I said, this weekend is student takeover at First Conyers. And I'm preaching a message regarding the value of a multi-generational community. I'm trying to display the importance of generations connecting with each other because there is great value from every generation, particular older generation, to the next generation. And there's also great value from the younger generation to those of us of an older generation, if you could tell me one thing you wish to gain or learn of value in either an older or a younger generation, what would it be? And then I put in there big letters, please, no criticism. You know what shocked me? It wasn't the first response of criticism. In other words, there wasn't the first old fella like Chuck over there that said, you know what, those young people, they just don't get it. And there wasn't the first response from somebody like little Anna, sweet Anna. They wrote, you know what? They're just not like us. None of that. But what I found was a response from every person that there was a real value that they saw in the previous generation. And there was a great value of those of us from a previous generation that we had in younger generations. Here's one of the comments that was written. This was by a young a young person that responded and said this, I value the wisdom and work ethic of the older generation. Moms and dads, underline that, they value the work ethic. If you're like me, I couldn't get Noah to do a thing when he was living at home. He'd go out and work like a dog for anybody else, but I couldn't get him. But listen, they say, young people say, listen, I, I recognize that there is some wisdom 
As, as a parent, sometimes you think that they think you're dumb. They recognize, they don't want you to know that they recognize this. But they recognize that there is great wisdom. And our young generation says, listen, I want to hear wisdom that an older person can pour into my life. Now, granted, they may not agree, but that's not the issue. They want to hear it. And one of the reasons I think they want to hear it is because they feel valued when an older person tries to interject and exchange life with them to share with them some things that they've learned. Listen, I hope none of you do some of the stupid things I did when I was growing up. Amen? Some of you are going to, but I pray by God's grace you learn from those things. <laughs> like by His grace, I was able to learn. Second one is this. This is from an older person. We older people uh, were once young and have lived through much of what you are experiencing. Now, you might say, wait a minute, different times. Listen, it may be different times, but life is life. Humanity's humanity. And the very things that you're going through at your age now, we went through maybe in a different way. But listen, I've traveled all over the world. You know one thing I've learned about people? From every nation in the world. You know one thing I've learned? People are people. And so this person writes, listen, we, we, we experienced some of the same things you did. But we can offer advice and support, and we want to offer advice and support. And then they said this, I very much admire the youth in our church family. They are gracious, respectful, and service-minded. And then they concluded, way to go, youth! Exclamation point. Thank you! Exclamation point. So give yourselves a hand. That's from an older person saying, listen. A young person wrote, I... <laughs> I wasn't going to say any names. This is Garrett. He's short on words. Garrett, I love you. Um, give me a thumbs up there. Uh, Garrett said, I think in general, I just want advice, wisdom. You see, they, they want to be connected with us. The second life-on-life -life model that I see in Scripture is that between Elijah and Elisha. You familiar with Elijah? Elijah's probably one of the most revered prophets in all of the Old Testament. If you remember, he was there when Jezebel was doing all her stuff, and he calls all the prophets of Baal together, and he tells them to pray to their gods to send down uh, water to put out the flames on the altar, and they prayed, and they cut themselves, and they couldn't, and word were from Elijah, and the flames were quenched, and Elijah was a great prophet. But Elijah, just like Moses, recognized and realized that his days were going to pass. And so he invested in a young man named Elisha, not only in obedience to God telling, but he did life on life with Elisha to pour into him his knowledge of God, the faithfulness of God, and life experience. And in that, there was a 40-year-old that's kind of stuck right in the middle generationally in our church. And here's what a 40-year-old wrote this week in relation to life on life mentoring, modeling. He said, as a 40-year-old, smack in the middle of both, this is what I want to gain. I want to gain the work ethic that I see in an older generation. 30 or more years at the same job, working hard every day to provide for a family. You know what I think I heard this young man saying? I want to learn the consistency. And I think he was echoing what Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs. Where Solomon wrote and he said, I write these things to you so that you might live a prudent life, a managed life. And there's value to that. 
And this young man's realizing in a chaotic world that there is value in consistency. And to moms and dads, I would say this to you this morning, one of the greatest things you can invest in your kid's life is consistency. From the younger generation, I want to gain the love and acceptance of all people. This young generation seems to want to love mankind only as Jesus could. Now think about that, guys. Here's somebody saying, look, I recognize in this younger generation, man, they, they love people far more than I do. They love people more like I see Jesus loving people in Scripture. And they have an acceptance of all people regardless. And we as an older generation can learn from you how we can love agape across the lines in every different way. The third model that I see, and we're all familiar with this, is Jesus and his disciples. And arguably, not all of Jesus' disciples were younger than he. There were a couple, we believe, that were older. And so we see, and somebody said, well, Jesus was God, man. That was easy for him. No, he was fully man. And so we see the example of Jesus doing life on life with his disciples. You cannot substitute life on life with any other means of communication. It may be the best at times that you have available to you to Skype or FaceTime or whatever. But listen, there is no substitute for life on life relationship. You know why? That's the way God's designed it. There's no substitute. Can you imagine being married, living in a separate house from your spouse, and having daily communication through FaceTime? Would you call that a healthy whole? No. You see, God understands. He knows the way we're designed. He knows that He made us. And He has made us for relationship. To do life on life with one another. One person wrote this. And this was from an older person talking to a younger generation. They said, I want to gain and I value the energy and enthusiasm of our students and the younger generation. I paused when I read that. That they said they value the energy. And I thought, yeah, it's because we're old and we don't have that energy anymore. That's a joke. You can laugh. But I value their enthusiasm, and I am open to their perspective as we study the Bible together. You see, they often exhibit wisdom beyond their years. So often we equate maturity in the church, in the body of Christ, to years from date of baptism. I see no such definition in Scripture to maturity. I have learned that there are things that I don't know that I don't know yet. And I have learned as I interact with the young students and young adults here at First Conyers, that as we sit down and talk through Scripture together, do that thing together, that, man, there's insight from them sometimes. They're like, man, 35 years, I walked with the Lord. I never saw that. And there's value that they can give to me in my life as a fellow follower of Jesus. 
You see, there are no rankings in discipleship. You get that? There are no generals and there are no sergeants. We're all together in this journey, and we can learn from one another. The next thing that somebody wrote is um, insight on what it was like. It, let, me, let, me, let me put a caveat. I said I wasn't going to say any names. I've already pointed out Garrett. This next one comes from Thad Suggs. Thad, I'll get you for this later. But Thad writes to me in a text, and he responds this way. He says, I want to have insight on what it was like to walk with dinosaurs. <laughs> Just to let you know, Thad, I'm a Tyrannosaurus. We're tough, okay? But then he said, no, really, but definitely I want wisdom, how to handle situations, and clarity of truth. You see, we have a generation today that's seeking truth. It's interesting. Survey that just came out several weeks ago from Gallup. And so it wasn't written really from a Christian perspective. It was written by Gallup. And I can't remember how many thousands of people were surveyed in this particular survey, but the question was, and these weren't church folks, these weren't Christians, they were just general population, and the question was something like this. When you look to engage in a church, what is the highest priority, list of priorities? What is it that you look for most? You know what the number one response was? I just want to know the truth and how it applies in my life. Isn't that amazing? Can I tell you what was at the bottom of the list? And we always think this is what separates generations. This is not what separates generations. In the church world, we say, you know what separates us is our style of music, our style of worship. That was the very last, lowest, bottom run in the survey. But what this generation is desiring is truth. They want to know what truth is because they have grown up in a culture that everything seems to be truth. And they've recognized because they bought into some of that and thinking it's truth. And they realize that it has failed them miserably. They want to know what's truth, and they want authentic truth. They want authenticity from you and I, older guys, older women. They want authenticity to say, we don't have it all together. The same stuff I question, Wesley, does God, is God, does God even exist? Sometimes I think, God, are you really there? You see, they want to hear vulnerability from those of us who have walked and said, listen, we have the same struggles you have, but we know where the answers are and we hold on to those by faith. They want to hear from some of us older ones, yes, and, and if it's okay, listen, I still have hormones running through my body. That, that may seem strange to you. I know the days are coming close where they won't. But we deal with the same issues you deal with in a different way. But they want vulnerability from us. Can you say amen to that? There's not a one of us in this room this morning that has it all together. And they want to hear honest answers. And they want to hear honestly, you know what? I struggle with this, but here's the answers that I've found in my Christian life. And in the power of the Holy Spirit where I've gained victory in this area of my life. They want to hear that. All right, let me wrap this up. The last one that I want to look at real quick is Paul and Timothy. We know the relationship Paul and Timothy had. Paul considered Timothy his son in the faith. 
And, and it was to Timothy that Paul wrote, Do not let anyone despise you for your youth. They had a great relationship. And in that last letter that Paul is writing, 2 Timothy, where he knows he's about to die, there are some things that he says to Timothy that are incredibly important. And here's some quotes that I got this week related to that. The first person said, Love the young generation. We need to understand them and not be judgmental. Love them. Think of ourselves when we were that age. And listen, I know there's some differences. You guys hate it if I try to look and walk like y'all, right? Yeah. There are differences. You know what? I've learned those differences really don't matter because at the core, we're all created in God's image and the same. We all have the same needs. We all have the same desires. And so take a, take a risk. Move beyond those differences that seem to create fear and begin to engage life on life. I don't have time to read the last ones. But there is somebody I want you to hear from this morning. Many of you know Patrick Sanders. Patrick grew up in this church, went through the student ministry here, interned here. Patrick went on to get his his undergraduate degree in Christian studies, and now God's called him on. He's at seminary. And so I thought, you know what, who better yet than to speak to us this morning but somebody from that generation to share a few words in relation to this question. So, Patrick, don't we love Patrick? Can we just say, Patrick, we love you? Absolutely, thank you. So J-Mo sent me a message, and he asked me, what do I value and what do I admire from the older generation? Now, let me just give you a visual represent, representation to start off with. Youth, raise your hand if you have a social media account. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Anyone? Y'all see those blue hands, those blue shirts, hands go up? Exactly. Now, the older generation, did you grow up with when you were 15, 16, 17? Did you have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter? Absolutely not. A lot of y'all still don't even understand what those are, right? And so what I'm trying to show is that there is a very distinct area in our lives that we differ from our generation and the older generation. But at the same time, while we have a lot of things that are opposite or while we differ in a lot of areas, we have the same commonality. And J-Mo mentioned it earlier. Genesis 126, it says this, and God created them in his image. He created man and women. Now, while we have all these differences, we still have this one thing in common. We're created in the image of God. And what part of that means is that we still value relationships. That's something that we yearn for. And what I see the biggest difference between my generation and the one above, what most of you guys are sitting in the pews, the biggest difference is y'all make intentional relationships with other people. While my generation, we struggle with that. That's something that we want. We want intentionality. We want to know that we're loved and that people love us. That's why when we go on social media, that's why we care about the numbers. That's why we care about how many people follow us and how many people we follow back because we want to know that we are known. We want to be intentional. But at the same time, it's so difficult because we don't have the same relationships that you guys, the older generations, that y'all are able to produce with others. Why? Because we're so distant. We're so much on social media. In fact, we, we just want to be loved. That's all we yearn for. Timothy Keller said this, and I think it's super important. He said, one of our greatest fears is to be known but not loved. You hear that? One of our greatest fears is to be known but not loved. And I think that's super interesting. Now, if you go on Facebook or if you go on Instagram, youth, when you go on Instagram and you like a photo, you double tap it, what shows up on the picture? A heart. 
because we want to know that we're loved. Facebook, if you go on Facebook Youth and you like a photo, but you want to do more than just like it and you hold down, other options shows up. And you know what one of those other options is? To love it. Absolutely. We want to be known, but we want to be loved as well. And so here's my, here's my challenge to the older generation. Open up to a youth. Show them that not only do you know them, but you love them as well. Disciple a youth. Here's, here's the analogy I want to make. The older generation is much like a book, filled with knowledge and wisdom. But the only way the world can know about it is if that book gets opened up. We can sit here and we can look and we can talk to the older generation. But unless y'all open up to the younger generation, we have no clue the stories, the wisdom, and the knowledge that you have to share. Jamo said this, and I think it's important. I don't know what I don't know because I don't know it. And we have no clue how to learn, how to gain wisdom and insight from the older generation unless you open up to the youth. So my challenge is this. Find a youth. Call them up. Ask them for lunch. One of our favorite things, free food. Am I right, youth? Absolutely. <laughs> that will get it. Invite them to lunch. Do something. I promise you, CC's Pizza, it's still hip. It's still cool. We'll meet you there. Open up to a youth. Share what's on your heart. Share with them. Let them know that not only are they known, but they are intentionally loved by you. And I think that's something that my generation could benefit from. Amen. Let's give Patrick a hand. Thank you. Pray for Patrick as he... Let me wrap this up with some application for us. Uh, younger generation, I would challenge you with this. Just like I told uh, the previous congregation, I told them, I said, look, switch services every now and then. Skip your Sunday school class. My goodness, it's not going to kill you to miss a, few, a week or two. Come in and mingle. And I would say to you, the younger generation, you do a great job at this. But listen, I know you come here, you love sitting in your section. I would tell you to go grab one of these old, I won't say that, that's you, I'm talking to you, and bring them up front with you. Listen, we have got to begin to intentionally break down the things that seem to divide. Let me say this, if you're looking for opportunity, and this may be some for an older generation, or our kids ministry, Miss Vicki this next week, uh, this, this fall is going to be recruiting individuals. We don't want people just to fill spots in the children's ministry. We're looking for people that will intentionally begin to disciple our children, not only on Sunday mornings, but spend time with them in relational discipleship. My son, when he was in college, he was a part of, uh, by the way, he was at Florida State University. Go Knowles, right? When he was, God, that was there we go. We got, oh, no Gators, no. Uh, but listen. He was a big brother through college, and I asked him week before last, I think we were talking, I said, Noah, do you still have contact with the kid? The four years he was with this kid was in and out of foster care and was single mom and that kind of thing. I said, Noah, do you still have contact? He said, yeah, we, we still communicate on occasion. Listen, spend time and invest your time in kids. Make it intentional. Secondly, in our student ministry. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity to be involved and engage in our student ministry. Um, one of the things that I think we need beyond just those that, uh, and we're grateful for that, that teach Sunday school, but if you're, if you're a small group leader in, in student ministry, I would say take it beyond the small group. Begin to make connecting times with that young person that you can get together with for a cup of coffee, 
You may not have time to go to ball games, but if you can, go to ball games. Listen, invest in their lives and let them know that somebody cares and loves them. When my kids were growing up, the people that I think had greater influence in my kids' lives through those teenage years were friends of mine who invested time because I could say it until I was blue in the face. And all of a sudden, John, another friend, could say it to Noah. And Noah would come home and say, hey, you know what John said? And I said, man, I've been saying that for 22 years. Don't underestimate the influence that you can have to support what mom and dad are doing at home. The third thing I'd say with this, in our young adult ministry, well, we have some young adult couples that need older married couples that can spend time and invest in their lives. If you want to be a part of doing that, maybe write that, any of these areas, write them on your Connect card and turn them in at the end. The last thing, I made a decision this week, and I had been communicating with my daughter on this. And, you know, the last thing I want to do is spend, I'm 56 this year. I know you thought I was about 36. It's okay. But I, I do not want to spend the rest of my life. I don't know how many years I've got. But, but I have this sense that when I stand before Jesus, I'm not going to regret the things that I did. I'm going to have a greater sense of regret of the things that I didn't do. And I've resolved in my life, at this point in my life, that I'm going to do everything I can to invest in the next generation. Every parent makes mistakes, right? Any parent in here that has not made a mistake? And, and while I think, being honest, I think Sandy and I did you know, the best we could, raising our kids, we did a good job, I think. But there's one area that, that I really feel that I did not do, I failed to do as much as a father as I am going to do with my grandkids. You see, I didn't take the, the opportunity to intentionally disciple my children. We had the idea that bringing them to the church was part of that. And by the way, I've I, I set it in stone, I wasn't going to let other stuff interfere with that, parents. Really evaluate what's valuable. Sometimes we have our kids run into so many different things because we want to provide them everything. That's probably the one of the most damaging things we can do to our kids in their lives because they're all not going to be pro players. But, but I'm going to be intentional with my grandkids. I think it'll be this next Thursday that I start with an intentional meeting time with my nine-year-old granddaughter that I take her to my favorite place in town, and that's a wake coffee, and I'm starting her on caffeine young. I figure she might as well start this early. <laughs> We're going to intentionally do the GRACE acronym every week together. You see, I don't want to do, I don't want to make the mistake that I made with my, my kids. Now, by God's grace, my kids have turned out great. But I regret not having that time as a parent to disciple my own children. I'm going to do it with my grandkids. Amen? And so that would be a challenge to you parents. Many of you have gone through the real-life discipleship and um, where we're encouraging you to be a part of one-on-one -on -one discipleship. Listen, the greatest place you can invest, I think, parents, is intentionally discipling your own children. If the worship team would come, I want to close and ask you to do this pretty challenging but I want to ask you 
to really ask the Lord, Lord, am I, am I making an intentional investment in either a person from an older generation or a person from a younger generation? And if you are, man, that's great. I want to champion you. I want to encourage you. I want to be your first cheerleader. But if you're not, and you think there's a way that you can be investing in that, ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me how I can do that and be responsive to Him. And He may not give you the direct way this morning, but if He, if he, if he prods your heart on that, step out in obedience and begin to intentionally look for ways to invest in either the next generation or you younger folks, look for somebody older and say, look, would you invest your life into me? Everybody on board with doing that? Let's stand and sing this closing song. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.